Here's Matt Chapman, and he swings and hits one deep to left field, and welcome to the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. The hip looks pretty good, Joe. I think he's healed. <laughs> what an addition to this lineup. Hey, everyone. This is At The Letters for March 22nd, 2022. Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you in Toronto. And a discerning eye might have noticed Arden Zwelling down in Sportsnet. You've seen him talking with Hazel May and Dunedin, Florida. Now he's apparently in his hotel room with all kinds of uh, Blue Jays news and information for us. Arden, how's it going? I'm well, man. I am. Uh, I'm busy uh, and I'm tired, but I'm warm. And uh, I feel like you probably are not. So I have no complaints. <laughs> good. Yeah, no, It's it's been good to see the coverage down there. First from Shy and Hazel. And now you're down there covering us off for sportsnet.ca. We've got lots of podcast plans coming up as soon as this weekend. I'll be down there with some of our producers, Amal Delich, Nick Andrade. So really exciting times for At The Letters and for the Toronto Blue Jays. In the course of this episode, we'll get to Matt Chapman. We'll talk about the Jays' next moves, talk about some spring training storylines. But let's start with Chapman. I mean, Arden, we talked about it, I guess it was last week. And at that point, we were kind of contemplating Freeman, Schwarber, all these different moves. Matt Chapman's a Blue Jay. What should we make of this? He is a Blue Jay. Credit to you for uh, basically nailing that trade in our last episode to come in pretty close to it. But also, like, it's funny because the guys that the Athletics acquired are such Oakland dudes that it was somewhat predictable, right? Like yes. Zach Logue, really useful back-end starter guy will give you innings. And Kevin Smith, versatile infielder with some pop, uh, maybe a little bit of a uh, on-base in there. Gar Hoagland is really probably the one guy that the Blue Jays, I don't know that the Rue giving him up, but the one guy that they probably were like, yeah, like this is the tough one to include in this trade. But you want to acquire a good player, you have to give up some some pretty valuable players as well. So we'll see what Gunnar Hoagland becomes. It's you know I, I'm pouring one out for the feature that I was writing on Gunnar Hoagland for the True. Sportsnet Big Read that I was working on. Uh, I think you were aware of that, and all of the former college coaches and high school coaches and scouts and hours and hours of tape that oh, I had <laughs> on that one. I was talking to our colleague David Singh from the features department. He's also down here. I was talking to him about that today and said I'm a little gun shy to start another feature on a prospect uh, at least not until the start of the season and then hopefully there's a little gap from there till the trade deadline but yeah it's an interesting trade man and like I, the thing is Matt Chapman he fits this lineup really well he fits this roster really well right defensively obviously right everybody knows that's the calling card elite defender and the Blue Jays we haven't talked about enough of really prioritized run prevention this offseason and Matt Chapman qualifies as that but then I think also just the plate approach that you're going to see from Matt Chapman in this lineup, very discerning, led MLB in pitches per plate appearance last season. He's going to have an impact on the hitters around him. Obviously, there, there are quality of contact issues here. 2021 was not the year that he would have liked, and he's got some concerning statistics of late when it comes to his strikeouts, his swing and miss. The, the amount of contact that he makes, but you can still see that discerning, patient, selective approach there. And that is something that impacts the hitters around you, lengthens your lineup, it fatigues a pitching staff, it wears on a starting pitcher, it helps get that pitch up. The guys on the bench and behind you are seeing more pitches. You're getting into bullpens earlier, you're fatiguing staffs early in the series. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting knock on effects here. For the players around Matt Chapman. And then obviously, if he can get back to the guy that he was earlier in his career, that's going to be a massive boon for the Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, you look at it defensively and like just some of the highlights that, you know, you see from this guy over at third base, he's such a good defensive player. And we've seen good defensive third baseman in recent years. Josh Donaldson was pretty good. But man, this guy's on another level. It's really him and Nolan Arenado for quality defensive third baseman in baseball right now they are the best of the best so you know if you're the jays and i don't know how much talk there's been you know among uh, pitchers or you know fellow position players or coaches i'm sure there's been some but if you're the jays like there's got to be a, a sense of hope and optimism that matt chapman's just going to gobble up a lot of those ground balls turn base hits into outs and i mean if you do that once every week you're going to save a lot of hits for your pitching staff yeah, I mean, he's going to shave points off the ERAs of everybody 
in this pitching staff and the Blue Jays have guys who have the ball on the ground. Hunjin Ryu, you say Kikuchi, the ball's on the ground to the left side. And when I talk about how Matt Chapman can make the players around him better, you look at his range at third base, the defense he brings at third base, that makes Bo Bichette better. He has to shade less to third base. He he has to work less to his right side. That allows him to focus more towards his left. It allows the Blue Jays to do more interesting things positionally on the infield and for Louis Rivera to line up his players a bit differently just because Matt Chapman is so elite there. You know, the biggest question mark for him really is just like, is he over the hip issue? Obviously in 2020, like it's similar to Marcus Simeon, right? Marcus Simeon tried playing through something in 2020. didn't go well for him. Same thing for Matt Chapman. Tried playing through the labrum issue in his hip. Ended up having surgery with it. Five months after major surgery, he's back in games every single night. So I think it's fair to wonder how recovered he was or at least how much he was still compensating or at the very least how much his rehabilitation impacted his preparation for the season so maybe that's why he didn't have the 2021 that he would have wanted to he's still young i think he's um just gotta do better damage against fastballs in the zone really he does a really good job of getting to them he gets to a lot of 3-1 counts he's so patient he gets his heaters a lot saw a a career high fastball rate in 2021 he just didn't do damage on those pitches so with uh you know the benefit of a bit of health perhaps the benefit of some new ideas with his swing and with his mechanics with Guillermo Martinez and Dave Hudgens here in Blue Jays camp. And then the benefit of going from an offensive environment in Oakland to Rogers center, pretty big upgrade there. I mean, there's a lot of arrows pointing to Matt Chapman, at least having the conditions in place to bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about just that switch in parks and like year over year, you look at these park factors, they shift a little bit, but basically Rogers Center is an excellent place to hit, especially, you know, you're a right-handed power hitter. We've seen so many of them come through Toronto over the years, whether it's Batista, Encarnacion, Donaldson, on the current lineup, Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr. They're stacked. They've always been stacked with righty power hitters. And so that's Chapman. He hit 36 home runs in Oakland, which is a bigger park, just not as conducive. You play in the AL West, which also has some bigger parks. And there's all that foul territory, which is a defender, that was incredible. He was able to go and make those plays down the line in foul territory in Oakland that played to his strengths. But he's moving now to a park where there's less foul territory and he is able to really you know, take advantage of that. So I'm expecting him to be probably a 30 homer bat, great defense at third base. And you know that's a really good player. Very weak. Matt Chapman charging, barehanded on a hop. Oh, we got him. That is an amazing play. That is so difficult. Matt Chapman pulled it off. You start to look at this lineup now, and it's interesting because we've talked so much in the last few months about left-handed bats. But, you know, I, I would go back to the conversation that you and I had with Ross Atkins at the very start of the offseason. And at that point, he was saying, you know, look, we would love to have a lefty bat. You know, we would love to have that balance. But the important thing is to have quality hitters. And I still think there's room for the Jays to add a lefty bat. I still think that's a hole and we'll get to that. But right now they have quality hitters and that's a good place to start. Yeah, that's funny that we were talking about that right off the top of the offseason because that has become such a like such a topic. Um, the one last thing I'll say on Chapman, you look at his second half numbers versus first half numbers kind of already is coming out of his slump you look at it in in the first half he hit 0.03 home runs per plate appearance with an 11 percent barrel rate second half 0.043 home runs per plate appearance with a 17 percent barrel rate add six percent to his barrel rate in the second half so like i said a lot of arrows pointing up but yeah the lefty thing Here's the thing, like runs are runs. If you score 850 runs, you get to 115 weighted runs created. Plus, does it really matter how you get there? That's exactly what we talked to to Ross about. Um, I don't think you need to force the issue with the left-handed hitter. I'm sure the Blue Jays would have like been happy to add a lefty bat that has the overall offensive impact of a Matt Chapman or pick any other guy in in this lineup. Like I think absolutely if the Blue Jays could draw it up, they're perfect world scenario they would have gotten a lefty or switch hitter in there but as things stand right now if your batting order goes george springer bo bichette vladimir guerrero jr teoscar hernandez matt chapman 
Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Alejandro Kirk. Who in those, like, name me the left-handed hitter who is available via free agency or trade, and we don't know that Jose Ramirez is available. Everybody can dream on him, but we don't know that Cattell Marte is available. Those teams have to be motivated to move them. Name me the left-handed hitter who you are going to bring in who is going to be better overall offensively than those top seven. So now we're talking about adding a lefty bench bat, but to pinch hit for who? For which of those top seven guys who is coming up against a tough righty late in the game? Vlad, come on back. We got Brad Miller is going to take this one. Like, what are we doing here? So the funny thing is, like, the Blue Jays are still trying to add a left-handed bench bat. Like, I think they still have been involved in that market recently and actually, like, making legit offers for left-handed bench bats. So it's clearly still something that they want. I suppose if you needed to pinch it for like a Santiago Espinal or like a, a Danny Jansen, Danny Jansen late yeah. in the game, right? Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if your top seven are those right-handed hitters that I that I listed, just roll them out there and let them chew up pitching staffs. I don't. I think that's a really good lineup that's going to score a bunch of runs. Oh, it's a great lineup. I think um, you know. So the Dodgers and one of those left-handed bats. You said you know who could it be? Because clearly we're not talking about pinch hitting Brad Miller for for Vlad Jr. That's a recipe for some bad baseball. But yeah, you know, Freddie Freeman was a much discussed name. He ended up with the Dodgers. They probably have the best lineup in the National League right now. The Jays, along with maybe the Astros, maybe the Yankees. But to me, it's probably the Jays who have the best offensive lineup in the American League right now. And it's, yeah, lefties, righties, doesn't really matter. If you have great hitters, you're going to have a great lineup. And there's always room to kind of improve, especially as rosters expand here. And you have the opportunity to start the season with likely a bigger bench and some more flexibility. But, you know, there's still some room for the Jays to do that around the edges. And like you say, that top seven, it it really is as good as any top seven in baseball. I mean, it would have to be Michael Conforto level is the type yeah. of guy that you, you know, you're talking about. And I think the Blue Jays have interest there, and I think they like him. I just think that they are mindful of of budget right now and of long-term commitments and of how they're fitting the puzzle pieces in, in future years. Like, Do you feel like it's almost a little greedy? At this point, to be doing the you know the like fantasy baseball thing of like let's just get Jose Ramirez, let's just get Cattell Marte, let's just make it an all star team. Like I, you mentioned, the Dodgers, who legitimately have an all star team, but like this Blue Jays club as presently constructed, I think it's going to score plenty of runs. It's going to score eight hundred fifty again. I don't know, probably going to score more than eight hundred. That's a lot of runs. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah, five a game. That's incredible. It gives your team a ton of chances to do some things. And these are the kind of bats too that really in the playoffs, because again, the Jays should be a playoff team. This lineup would be scary to face if you're a elite starter or elite reliever. Like they're not just putting up numbers against, you know, some back end Orioles pitching here. They really can perform. So it's a it's a really strong group. I still think that Conforto, you know, I'm not anticipating that they sign Conforto. Um, we'll see where that goes. But if there would have been room to add like even someone in that Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson tier, I think that would have been really nice because then gives you a little bit more depth, gives you some flexibility. If you want to trade Randall Gritchuk, it gives you some, yeah, just an upgrade over Josh Palacios, who, you know, some of these projections I look at and like Josh Palacios is making the team and he looked totally overmatched against major league pitching. I don't, like maybe this has changed, right? Players change. That happens. But Based on what we saw last year, this is not a guy who is ready to slot in on a regular basis against the best pitchers in the world. Yeah, I joked about Brad Miller, but I actually thought he would have been a great ad for this lineup. And I think the Blue Jays were interested. I, I think he, you know, he just went elsewhere. I think the Blue Jays just weren't in a position where they were going to overextend themselves for that player. You know, I think there were guys in the market that they were willing to go to like some pretty costly places for. But I think in that, like you said, that Peterson, that Miller, that Rosario tier, that Corey Dickerson tier, like, I don't think they were going to go in and outbid anybody for it. And look, there's there's internal options as well. Like Malik Smith's getting a real look in this camp. Blue just want to see what what he is. Greg Bird 
is getting a real look in this camp and is kind of a name to to keep in mind here like he is his name comes up a lot around the team right now um you know nathan lukes is somebody who's getting some run and, and he's got that raise stink on him so you know I, I, charlie montoyo is gonna gonna like that you know there are lefties in camp who are getting some run and getting some like real legitimate looks like not just here to fill out the bison's rotation like here to perhaps contend for roster spots which was sort of the uh, one more thing on the chapman deal another yeah. ancillary benefit cleared out some 40-man inventory that like really like Kevin Smith wasn't going to have much of a role on the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays. Neither was Zach Logue. Maybe a spot start here and there. Like a lot of guys in camp actually really happy for those two in particular because they're going to get opportunities in Oakland. Like I've talked to a lot of players who have been like, these guys are going to go play, which is awesome because they deserve to and they weren't going to here. And I think the Blue Jays front office is happy to have cleared a little bit of room on the 40 just for for some maneuvers that are probably going to be upcoming either in the bullpen or or on, you know, as we've been talking about, a lefty, a lefty bench bat. Yeah, there's still room to improve here so let's wrap up the chapman kind of cost here because you know it was a pretty big trade and i don't want to overlook hoagland smith uh, kirby sneed of course was in that trade and zach Lowe. so you end up with a four-player trade so you know you're giving up a lot of value i could see kevin smith and i know others have said this too i could see kevin smith going to oakland and being like a good major league player like a two-war you know like 700s ops like not a big ops but like you know, in that park with some defense and versatility. He's Jed Lowry play. now. Yeah, right? it's almost literally, except not a switch hitter. That's like a really good place to start for Oakland in this trade. And then Logue too, like... Kendall Graveman. Yeah, right. He he pretty much is. Without the velo. Yeah, he doesn't. he's not working with a lot there. So you end up with some pieces there for Oakland. But to me, this cost isn't prohibitive. And you get Chapman, we should say, for two years. So he ended up with a two-year, $25 million extension agreed to Tuesday. That's basically just a way to secure cost certainty for the Jays, give, give Chapman some security. Nothing really changes with that extension, but it's still a move that's um, that's at least worth noting. So you get two years of Chapman for that package. Like To me, Arden, I look at that overall and I'm like, that's pretty fair. Like They're not overpaying. No, and this is the time to make moves like that. You're trying to win a World Series this year. Like the time is now, you know, like we and we say this so much, Ben, but I'm gonna say it again. The Blue Jays front office just does what they say they're gonna do. <laughs> they really do again and again and again. How many times, you know, during sort of the dark years of uh I guess what 17, 18, where they say, and look at at a certain point, like as we come out of this thing, you're gonna see us make some trades that don't look like the trades that we've been making to this point. Yeah, I'd I'd say we've seen that Jose Barrios and, and Matt Chapman, and they you know when we were all bemoaning like Derek Fisher's getting more run and Socrates Brito and Alan Hansen, what's all this? Ross Atkins said again and again like, look, we're in a position right now where we're like taking some chances and some guys with some interesting tools. We're gonna see if there's something there. See if we get lucky. There will be a time when we don't have the luxury of you know giving these chances and when we aren't rostering these players and we aren't giving this runway to these type of guys because we need to win and we need to be pushing talent to our big league roster for how long do people say oh these guys hug their prospects and they're too cautious with them the minor leagues call up this guy why won't they do it here's alejandro kirk on a friggin' missile to the big leagues right like gabe moreno is going to be a blue jay later this season if he stays healthy like the blue jays are pushing talent to their roster faster than they did before and they said that they would do that when the time came mark shapiro said again and again we will outspend revenue when the time is right when the time is right to win well what the hell have the blue jays been doing for two years of not under, outspending revenue there is no revenue we could be running the cleveland payroll they'd be outspending revenue there's no revenue there's no home games we say it so often on this podcast but really they've just like low-key been extremely transparent about the plan and what they're going to do and they followed through on that yeah, it's a it's a really good roster. You know, I, I think it's one of the best rosters in baseball. And this this climb has been ongoing. We've seen this, you know, Vladdy's quote, of course, was amazing. You've seen the trailer and now it's time to watch the movie. It's a team that's on the rise. They have a really good roster. They have a, a team that's, you know, still has a lot of work to do, right? So this climb that they've been making for the last couple of years is ongoing. 
they have not reached their their destination that they want to go to. They have a lot of work ahead. And look, it's March 22nd. You know, having a good roster on the 22nd of March, <laughs> there are a lot of teams in the history of baseball that have done that. And a lot of those teams did not win the World Series, did not win their divisions. So no guarantees here for this Jays team, but they're in a good spot. Yeah, and as a fan, like what better time is there to be like rooting for a team than when they're actually like really trying to win? Like how many teams in baseball are really trying to win a World Series right now? Like really all in, you know? Like they're making these types of moves, like the Matt Chapman deal. Blue Jays might not be done. I think like I think this is probably the team that goes north. Like there might be some minor stuff you know what i mean like you you wondered about a gritchick trade like yeah wonder about you know if there's room for a lefty like on the bench here you know there's going to be a little like bullpen maneuvering i think david phelps is on this team if he's healthy he's been a little bit delayed this week he caught a liner i think on a backfield um yeah and so he hasn't been in a game yet but like i'm i'm told he's going to be fine and I think he's on this team if if he's healthy and like there's some some other guys from you know that kind of non-roster bullpen group that like you know are, are impressing like Kyle Johnston's name has been coming up Sean Anderson's name comes up like these aren't going to be household names and and ones that people really recognize but like they're guys who who have been impressing and getting real looks we're going to see Amy Garcia Soon he, uh, I'm just going to dump information on you now, Ben. Like, yeah, Garcia, go for his, it. His visa, Arden. I got to be transparent here for the benefit <laughs> of some of our listeners too. You're dropping some names that I legitimately have not heard of here, so I've got some catching up to do. I've been not only like have a, I've been down here for I don't know three days. Feels like three weeks. I think it's three days now that I've been in camp. But like just being around the team again and just getting to have conversations, being in a clubhouse again and getting to like learn this type of stuff. Oh my god, dude, it's amazing like it's just been years (laughs) literally it has been years since i've been in a clubhouse and been around the team consistently and been able to have these kind of conversations with people and learn stuff and and talk off the record with guys and build these relationships like it was impossible over zoom like really hard when you're just like texting people from your kitchen trying to get information like just actually being here and having conversations while you're watching BP while you're walking around a clubhouse while you're, you know, wherever it, the the new player development complex. I mean, it has been like, I don't even know how to put it into words, how like crucial and important and refreshing it has been to just get to do my job again. It's been amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah, forward dude. to it. It's been, yeah, it's been a couple of years. Anyway, I was saying, Gimi Garcia will be in camp soon. I think by Friday, his visa's getting approved. And same with uh, Gabriel Moreno. His, his visa got improved, uh, approved too, so he's going to be getting out of Venezuela and getting into camp here soon. So I'm very much hoping he gets into a game before I uh, go back to Toronto. I very much want to see him play. Likewise. Well, that actually brings me back to one of the points you were, you were making a, a minute ago, because you know, Moreno's in camp or about to be. He's a Toronto Blue Jays still. So is Rolvis Martinez. So, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, they're pushing, right? And they are pushing. They push for Barrios. They push for, you know, in free agency for Gosman and for Springer and in trades for the likes of Chapman and Barrios. So they're pushing, but they're still holding on to a lot of their best players. They're trading some of them, Hoagland and Austin Martin, two of their first round picks, out the door, traded. So that is significant. They're trading significant prospects, but not everyone. And, you know, I just, based on, again, following what Mark Shapiro has said, and, you know, depending on what version of the accounts you you listen to, you know, it might differ a little bit. But in 2015, the impression that we're left with is that he was not impressed by the way that Alex Anthopoulos traded away a lot of prospects at that time. And that's ancient history now. But I don't think in 2022, we're going to see the Blue Jays just trade everyone. I just don't think that's the way they're going to work. I think they're going to hold on to some of the best prospects, knowing that in a few years, some of these guys, whether it's Teoscar or Lourdes or Chapman, who are two years away from free agency, or Bo and Vlad, who are four years away, some of them are going to go. And you're going to need good major league players who are ready to take over. You're going to have a Dodgersing of the roster, right? Where like some pretty good players leave. Yeah, like... I, it, it almost sucks to say this, but like, do you really believe Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez are all Toronto Blue Jays in 2027? I think the first two might be. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe one of the three. I don't know. Like, it's impossible to say right now, but 
to sign all the, all three of those guys to Uber extensions and keep adding in free agency. Like this is the thing, like you have to have that upward pressure on your roster, right? Like you have to be fulfilling from within, like you, you have to be developing, you have to be killing it on the international market. Like you're right. The Blue Jays have traded away a lot of top talent. They've kept a lot of it. I think they feel okay with some of the prospects, like just, uh, uh, don't want to use the word capital. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what's right. a better inventory, but even that's terrible. <laughs> that's even worse, man. Like, I don't know some of the human beings that they have, um, you know, sent to work in other locations, they feel okay with that. Cause they've got the two comp picks coming this year. Right. So they're, you know, they, they're for Ray and Simeon. So there, there is going to be a little bit of replenishing there. And also like just talking to people around the Jays, they feel really strong about their 2021 draft class. And it's a lot of names that like people aren't that familiar with. And obviously the top name is gone in, in Oakland now and Gunnar Hoagland, but like Ricky Tiedemann has just like blown the doors off, like with his velo jumps. And we, we were uh, talking to Ben Badler about him, right? Like how, you know, he was getting reports on Ricky Tiedemann and on his velo. And he was like, no, 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 I'm talking about Ricky Tiedemann. That's not his velo. And it's like, yeah, no, that's his velo now. Like, he has made some huge jumps. I mean, the Blue Jays really like Irv Carter. Um, they really like Hayden Junger. Connor Cook is a guy from 2021 who's made a really big uh, a velo jump. Blue Jays feel great about him. Chad Dallas, another one. Like, they're, the Blue Jays really putting together the pieces of, like, how everything works in concert with, like, a development staff that can help players get the most out of their arms. It actually starts with like player identification and scouting, finding guys with untapped potential with upside, with projectability in the bodies where you could get more velo or you could add more stuff. Like look how quickly Alec Manoa went from a guy out of West Virginia with like, yeah, he had a big fastball, but he couldn't really command it that consistently. He didn't have the two seamer that he does today. He had a slider. He learned to throw off Twitter Blue Jays got him into their develop their development system. He threw what seventeen low A innings coming into last spring. This time last year, Alec Manoa had seventeen low A innings, complete unknown commodity, and then went off and was who he was and looks really good this spring. So it's like it's everything working in concert from like identifying those players who can make those jumps and those improvements. Getting them working with your development staff who like know how to individualize development plans and know how to use data and tech and science to help players get the most out of them. Finding guys who are going to have buy-in and who are going to be open-minded and willing to go down some unconventional roads to try to improve themselves, make the most of their careers, and then getting them into a state-of-the-art player development complex that like you're going to see when when you're down here and that like you can't say enough about how incredible that place is and like what an unbelievable upgrade <laughs> it is over the Bobby Maddox center. And, uh, you know, the former major league side over at, uh, what's now TD ballpark, whatever these call it, Florida audio auto exchange stadium, like just bringing all those things together, right? Like the nutrition, the recovery the PTs, like when the blue Jays send out these press releases with their high performance department and their player development staffs. And these things go on and on and on and on with all the people who are there. And then you talk to players and they're like, yeah, it's no BS. Like we have a ton of resources to help us get better. Like they really care about players here. Like they really are. This is what players like young players are telling me. They really do care. Like they really do want to help us get better and give us the tools and give us the resources that we need to get the most out of our careers. So it is really all starting to come together. And I think this is a roundabout way of saying Blue Jays really like optimistic about a lot of names in their 2021 draft class and the ga the gains that have already been made there. As they should be. Optimistic times for this franchise. I mean, they're they're on the rise. Spring training, a lot of optimism in baseball. And still, no one's won a single game. So there's a lot of work ahead for the Blue Jays it's and for spring, everybody else. Man. Nobody's lost. Nobody's in a slump yet. And nobody's won. So they still have about, you know, 90 to 100 more of those that they need to, that they need to do. Honestly, you, you asked what it's like being around like camp right now. Everybody's just happy to be back around baseball, right? To be back and to have it be somewhat normal again after like two COVID years, right? And after, you know, all the, the restrictions and, um, you know, everything that players went through, like especially Toronto players, right? With different homes and bubbles and quarantines, the testing and all, like all this stuff, which is all good stuff, by the way. Like, don't get mad at me, but the, you know, and then Zooms and, you know, not having, you know, media around and not being able to work in, in groups and stuff. And just, not, it didn't feel like baseball. It wasn't baseball. And then you get a lockout which like came right up to the cliff of like, oh, we're going to miss like several months of a regular season. 
and then you get that sorted and i just think everybody is really happy to be in camp like i am on you know hour 13 of my day right now and i'm <laughs> so happy to be talking to you about baseball and i can't wait to get up at six tomorrow again and, and go be around baseball again it's really nice Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, we'll let you step away for a moment, but we will come back. We'll talk more spring training storylines, potential Blue Jays moves, all coming up on At The Letters. All right. So, Arden, we talked a little bit about this in the first part of the podcast. Jays have made a lot of additions. They are looking good, but there's still room to make potentially another move or two so as you look at this roster we alluded to lefty bat that's a potential need you see brett gardner's name out there you see michael conforto's name out there that's one possibility then there's relief too i mean they've upgraded their bullpen with yami garcia but there is room to add more so as you look at this group what do you see as a potential next step for ross atkins joe sheehan mike morrow the front office as they're looking to improve this roster I think they could do it from within. We kind of alluded to it beforehand. Like, and it's interesting, right? With expanded rosters now, like that's going to have an impact as well on what the Blue Jays do. They get that's going to be a pitcher and a position player for them. I I figure, and on the pitching side, like you're going to need arms to start the season. Man, Blue Jays have one off day in the first 31 days, and pitchers might only be built up to like 80, 85 pitches starters. That is out of the gate, so. Like there's a role for Nate Pearson on this team and it might not be in, you know, quote unquote the starting rotation, but it might be throwing like close to a starter's workload, either in bulk relief outings or even making spot starts here and there. Ross Stripling's gonna be a huge luxury for this team, his experience as a swingman. By the way, like massive shout out to Ross Stripling, who pitched today in the game, went three innings. I don't think that I've seen a starter go three innings yet. And then came off the mound and went back to the bullpen and threw some more. He came in to camp like ready to go. And this is a guy who had, as you know, a rather busy offseason as the Blue Jays MLB PA rep. He's on those calls like arguing over, uh, you know, the draft lottery spots and stuff late into the night. Like he's doing all that with a young family you know with like answering all the questions from you know all of his young teammates about this stuff like a million things going on and also got himself into great shape for a like variable unknown start date spring training showed up and just was himself on the mound today was like toying around with the two seamer throwing the kitchen sink at guys so like huge shout out to him but like a lot of guys have come in in really good shape watching uh, i know this wasn't your question at all man i'm just like <laughs> I, I don't know dude like it's, you get loopy covering spring training i can't tell you how rejuvenated i am being here it is like i know i said in the first half like the best assignment i get i think all year i think i do my best work some of my favorite stories i've ever written have been at spring training the access is unlike anything else you know you get an hour in the clubhouse every morning to just like go talk to whoever you want everybody on the roster all 40 guys are in the clubhouse every minor leaguer is just on the other side of the building every front office person every coach every developer anyone you could want to go shoot the breeze with is around like it's just so good for our purposes i can't communicate that enough um but like so nate pearson like looks really good alec manoa looks really good julian merriweather and ryan baraki look really good like the ball's coming out of their hands well like you can tell that there has been a, a little bit of a culture in this organization of like hey we're taking this stuff seriously like hey we're like we're taking our off seasons really seriously we're working we're showing up ready to go like there is a real motivation and drive here from like the players on the team to show up in great shape ready to go santiago espinal is jacked now he put on 15 pounds yeah at one point so he is yeah, no legit. Like wow. Scotty Weberg, the Jays, uh, you know, head strength and conditioning guy, got him on like a you know crazy hypertrophy program in in the off season, and then Jamie Chang, their nutrition guy, had, was you know sending him diet plans and stuff, and he just like ate a ton in protein and carbs and lifted his ass off and put on 15 pounds and he looked like he looks big now and um you know i'm hearing that it's showing up a little bit in the exit velos it's showing up a little bit in, in the way that he's driving the ball so that's really interesting like bo, bo bichette's in great shape and it's that spring training thing right like look if you have an entire off season to just lift and 
train and eat and not travel and de-stress and deload and not have like the intense cardio and mental and stress demands of a 162 game season yeah you're probably gonna like have some good physical gains like you're probably gonna show up looking pretty good at the end of that because you've just you know you don't have that like stress both physically and mentally the 162 game season puts on you every player is gonna lose weight over the course of of a season no player is gonna sleep well no player is gonna really ever feel rested they're all gonna be carrying injuries they're not gonna be able to train the way that they need to so yes everybody should show up looking really good you know, for spring training, but everybody in this camp does look really good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's why I think David Phelps is going to get a 40-man roster spot <laughs> to answer yeah. your question. Well, yeah, it's it kind of rambling tangents here are, are helpful, though. It does inform it, and totally, spring training is, is awesome. It's great for players to, you know, it's, it's a time where there's a lot of pressure on certain players, like an Espinal, to make a team. And, and of course, you know, if you were to go to Goodyear, I'm sure the Cincinnati Reds have a lot of players who are really excited about their season. They think that this is their year. Same for 2017. Same front office. You know, it wasn't quite as robust, and there have been changes since. But same front office. That was a team that had a lot of excited players, and they totally flopped. So, you know, we don't know where it's going to lead. We don't know. But it's really cool to hear that. It's really cool to hear that. So are there any, you know, now I'm kind of veering off course here, but you know, I guess you named just a bunch of them, but of those pitchers, you know, Barucki, Manoa, Pearson, have you had the chance to watch those guys in person? Have you noticed anything different about any of those kind of major league arms that we're used to watching? Who knows anything different? I just think everybody's locked in. Notice Taylor Sacedo's got a change up now. I almost don't even want to talk about this because I want to write about it, but he's got a like a change up that he learned from uh, Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman's been a, a cool presence in the clubhouse very laid back like uh you know obviously you know veteran guy a lot of experience um but you know he's like we're gonna see him on thursday i think it's gonna be barrios wednesday gosman thursday and ryu friday it's crazy there's just like a stud pitching every day watch kikuchi today you know Manoa and pearson the other day like there's no there's none of these days where it's like tj house is starting chase anderson <laughs> Yeah, right? like you know, he's gonna be followed by uh, Buddy Boshears. Like yep. it's just a really good arm on the mound every day, and that the condensed spring plays into that too, right? Because these guys have so little time to ramp up. So yeah, you're just just watching a. That's part of it too, man. You're just watching a high caliber of of baseball every day. Like that lineup the Blue Jays put out today was basically their A lineup against Jordan Montgomery, and they friggin' stole his lunch money, man. Like they, you know, worked long, patient plate appearances. You know, Lourdes had a great Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s name has come up a few times as when I ask people like, hey, who's a sleeper this year? Like who's a breakout potential guy? Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s name comes up because he's made some adjustments in the box. He's standing a bit further from the plate. He's doing some different things. Blue Jay's really confident that, look, they're not going to, breed out his slumps he's always going to slump he's always going to be a streaky hitter but they're confident they can minimize his slumps and that he can you know have like his valleys can be less deep so that's going to be really interesting to watch he had a great plate appearance today patient fouled off tough pitches and then just like laced a ball to the opposite field the classic Lourdes Gurriel junior swings you know Lourdes is is one of those um players who I think you know we've we've maybe overlooked because the lineup is so good around him. But I saw Nick Castellanos sign for a hundred million dollars the other day over five years, and I thought, man, that could be Lourdes in two years' time. That could be him because they're similar hitters, really. Right-hand hitters, great high contact, no speed whatsoever, not good defensively, but they have power. And I thought, okay, that's kind of like you know, generally broadly speaking, a comp. And so this does bring me to to something that I did want to bounce off of you. Okay, so this is. In the context of some of those big free agent signings we've seen, Freeman, 162 over 6, Schwarber, 79 over 4, Correa, 105 over 3. He has opt-outs after each of the first two years. So did any of those deals jump out, out to you? And if you're the Jays, like from a Jays standpoint, because the Jays were linked to two of them, and we're, we're sh- I'm pretty confident they would have at least had some exploratory talks on Correa. Of those three, is there one that you think would have been a good fit at that price? Like, if you had to pick one, does one jump out to you? Castellanos, Sorber, Correa are the three. Did you have Story in there? I would put Freeman in there. You could, yeah, Freeman you in could there. throw Story in there. One forty over Story six. in there. 
Yeah, I don't love the story deal, to be honest with you. Um, I want, I would have thought story on a, a shorter term, higher AAV pact. I mean, I th- like any team in baseball should have signed that Carlos Correa deal. Right? I thought it was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great for Correa, too. It's great for both sides. My, like, harebrained idea is the Baltimore Orioles should have signed Carlos Correa for, like, 10 years. Like, honestly, like, it's, it's, do it now, right? You're trying to come out of a rebuild, obviously not this season, but in a couple of years. You've got a pretty damn good farm system, right? You, you know, you're going to start graduating some of those players this year. You're obviously not ready to contend, but you're going to need Carlos Correa's when you are ready to contend. So why not make that move a year early or two years early and bring Carlos Correa in and let him kind of set the culture around your big league clubhouse? And so that, that was like my crazy Carlos Correa idea. But so I got, I got out crazied by Scott Morris with what Correa signed. But I, I actually like love that deal for the Twins, love that deal for him. And it's going to be really fascinating just to see how it plays out. I love that deal for the Twins. I think that would have been great for the Jays if they had been able to do that. And I thought there was no chance that he would take that. It's basically a pillow contract, like, a you know, obviously a big pillow. But, you know, you hear some speculation, too, within the Asian community that, you know, is this Scott Boris trying to do a short deal where, remember, Correa switched agents in the offseason. So then if this is a very short deal, then that kind of reduces the amount that an other agent could claim in any sort of legal dispute. So, you know, a lot of talk there as to what that might look like. But bottom line, the Twins, I mean, they just, I mean, it seems like they kind of played the Yankees there and got Correa and some other interesting players too. But that's probably a topic for another podcast. Don't need to dwell too much on that. But Arden, I do want to kind of return to the Jays here and ask you just as you look at this team, where you see the big position battles, because the rotation is not one of them. The lineup's not really one of them. Is it the bullpen or is this just a spring without position battles? Yeah, with, you know, with the extra roster spots now, right, there's going to be another room for a, another, more room for another reliever to sneak onto this roster. Um, there's going to be room for another position player. That's probably where it comes down to, honestly, is like, are the Blue Jays going to carry three catchers to open the season or is there going to be a move there? And there's a couple of things at play here. So Charlie Montoya will tell you, that there are three catchers competing for two spots on this roster, and that is utterly false. Danny Jansen's right. on this team. Danny Jansen is, is starting opening day. I'm sorry, he just is. He's on this team. The Blue Jays have like clearly made run prevention a big-time priority. You're not going to have the guy who knows your pitchers the best, like your most experienced big leaguer behind the plate on this roster. Yeah, Danny Jansen's on this team. Yeah. I believe Alejandro Kirk should be on this team. Absolutely. Like, I think he is one of the best seven hitters that this club has. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm in yeah. on the bat. I'm done with the like doubting Alejandro Kirk. Like, he just, like, he's just a hitter. He just gets his barrel to everything. Like, he's just an incredibly balanced, patient, advanced, low heart rate hitter like i think he's really elemental to this lineup i remember talking about this around the all-star break last year when he was in triple a and we were saying why isn't he on this roster (laughs) this team could really benefit from him being on this roster so then you get to reese mcguire who like look in 2021 like we should eat some crow he was good like for stretches there you know like he was he showed real improvement at the plate i think a lot of us doubted him based on his career and what he's done but like yeah i mean he really put up some decent numbers for this club i mean you know he they aren't like numbers that'll blow you away but in terms of like hard hit rate and average exit velocity like he was setting like career highs and those things so that's real improvement kind of talk around camp is that like he's continued to make some improvement some strides there he's continuing to strike the ball really well but i mean we did this with reese mcguire last year Right. And the Blue Jays got to the end of camp and decided, yeah, we'll expose you to waivers. Right. Like that's kind of what good teams have to do with deep 40 mans have to do. Sometimes they have to expose players who might get claimed to waivers. Like that's just part and parcel to having a lot of talent on your 40 man roster is that like, yeah, maybe you lose that um, youngish catcher. You know, I think the risk there is that if Reese McGuire gets plucked off waivers, which is not a guarantee, he passed through just a year ago, but if he does get plucked off waivers and you go in the regular season and Danny Jansen gets hurt, now all of a sudden it's like Kellen Deglin time, right? I, I don't know that Gabe Moreno is going to be ready in April. I think there's very real possibilities on this club over the second half of the season, but like, yeah, in, in April, that's probably asking a bit much. It's so, rushing him at that point. 
right? So, you know, that you do run into some risk there that you might not have somebody within your organization who's familiar with your pitching staff and who has big league experience and who you feel good about giving a few weeks of run to behind the plate on your big league roster. So that is a consideration. And I think it's possible the Blue Jays carry three catchers out of the gate. And maybe Alejandro Kirk isn't really a catcher. He'd, he'd get a date, you know, here and there, but he'd probably see a lot of his playing time at designated hitter. But I also, when I just look at their roster and I think about efficiency and what the Blue Jays should do, I think you probably do the exact same thing that you did last spring. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And use that roster spot on somebody else and just be, you know, have a, a bit more of an optimal roster to start a season. And you've got 28 spots. I mean, it's it's a lot of choice to work with. So, you know, if I'm looking at this roster as the Jays, Danny Jansen's on the team to me. He's on the team. And yeah, Alejandro Kirk has to is on the team. Like, it's just, they've made it. He They're should be. on the team. Danny Jansen has to be, and Alejandro Kirk should be. To me, they both have to be. They're too good not to be. They're major league players. They should be on the team. They don't belong in AAA. They're major league players. Now, Reese McGuire, open question. Let's see. What are the other opportunities in the bullpen? How does Josh Palacios do against advanced velo? You know, how does Greg Bird look as spring progresses? All of those factors can inform whether Reese McGuire makes the team. But to me, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk need to be on it. No, absolutely. Like, And, and so there is still the possibility of a trade there, I suppose. And uh, like this was just a day or two before I got in. But like, there, you know, there are tales told around camp of this like Cleveland scout who was just like ambling around videotaping everything Alejandro Kirk did in a like not particularly conspicuous way. And so, or inconspicuous, whatever. So there's a possibility there. But again, like, I don't know if you're the Blue Jays, you're getting into camp here. You've got some tough guys to catch on this pitching staff. Like, I think you want capable hands behind the plate for your veteran pitching staff of dudes who throw funky stuff. Like Yusei Kikuchi throws like four different pitches and he's trying to make some pretty, you know, serious adjustments right now in terms of getting his, his cutter into righties and then, you know, kind of using his slider a bit more and his definitely his split change up a bit more and trying to elevate his fastball. Like there's a lot of work behind the scenes going on there. I was talking to Danny Jansen earlier, like those guys were in the lab earlier like you know doing a lot of work on what they're trying to get you say kikuchi to do hunjin ryu not an easy guy to catch he might no. just stand on that mound and shake no. you off a dozen times which is another reason that jansen has to be on the team right like what are you gonna do you're gonna just like throw ryu off like he, he's got to be on the team for sure kevin gosman a dude who is liable to just bounce that splitter right in front of your crotch and you better keep that thing in front of you right because that like thing moves a ton so you need a good defensive catcher back there somebody who is used to catching him alec manoa a guy who's two seamer can get away from him right and a guy who needs a little bit of management on the mound and, and i think needs some capable hands behind the plate so that that two seamer isn't running away and he's not you know plunking a bunch of baltimore orioles getting ejected from games i mean jose Barrios. Is, is another guy right like so like i think the you know the blue jays really have to be you know if, if they're trading the catcher i guess it's a possibility but if they're trading the catcher i think it it has to be for the right deal like i don't think you just trade one just for the sake of trading one because you know a lot of work has gone on here to get these guys up to speed with catching this rotation and part of having a veteran like experienced rotation like the Blue Jays do is you want to give them really capable hands behind the plate who can, uh, you know, help maximize their, their abilities. And, and let's face it, like with McGuire, it's not a secret. He's been available. He was on waivers. It was known in the off season by other teams. that Reese McGuire was available. So if someone was going to bowl the Blue Jays over with an offer, they probably would have done it, you know, so you're not getting a ton back. So I, I totally agree that, you know, maybe a trade's possible, but I don't think that we should be holding our breath for some, you know, at least on McGuire for some big trade. Ben, we're doing it again, eh? We're doing the, <laughs> like, let's just put the telescope on the 26th, 27th right. guy on the roster every spring. 
we're doing the Dalton Pompey and the Anthony Alford and the Reese McGuire of last yeah. year. We're doing it again, right? Well, and that's part of, I guess, like having a really good team. And like, like you said, there not being a lot of battles and the, just the Blue Jays just being a good World Series contender. But like every spring, we put the microscope on what are they going to do with this out of options guy? Like, what are they going to do with Anthony Alford, Dalton Pompey? It always sorts itself out. Somebody gets hurt. A need arises, somebody underperforms, and if it doesn't sort itself out, you end up exposing a decent player to waivers. Not a great player, not a player who's ever really going to come back to bite you. Did Anthony Alford come back to bite the Blue Jays, the Dalton Pompey, Will Reese McGuire? Even Gio Urshela, even like at the high, <laughs> yeah, high Urshela. end, you know? That like, was midseason, right? Like yeah. That was in a spring training thing. But yeah, you know, you very, very seldom rue those decisions. But that's also part of having a good 40-man roster. You know, that's part of building out a lot of depth and having a lot of good young players on this roster. Like Leo Jimenez is on this 40-man roster. You know, like the Blue Jays have like good young players. You know, it's not so obvious anymore. Their DFAs. There were times in recent Blue Jays history, Ben, where you and I could have gone through the Blue Jays 40 man and been like, here's 10 dudes you could DFA tomorrow, right? Like, it's not like that anymore. Like, you have good players on this roster. The Blue Jays have built a lot of good young talent on their 40 and that's part of being the blue jays that's part of being the dodgers is that you sometimes have to let pretty good players hit waivers but very rarely do they become all-stars very true all right arden uh you have an early morning you've been grinding for hours on end on various platforms all across uh florida so I think this is probably a good time to to wrap it up and call it for a week. But I am very excited to be down there. Uh, we'll have more at the letters from spring training very soon. In the meantime, thank you. Good luck with the coverage down in Florida. Get some rest if you can. And uh, thanks as well to Nicholas Andrade and to Christian Ryan for producing this episode. As always, that's going to do it for this week. And we'll talk to you next time on At The Letters.